You're listening to the Sex and Psychology Podcast, the sex ed you never got in school and won't get anywhere else. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lay Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. Almost everyone has sexual fantasies and has them often, but most of us have questions about our fantasies, including what they really mean, how to share them with a partner, and how to go about turning them into reality. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to do a deep dive into the world of fantasies. Some of the topics we'll explore include how to know when a fantasy is just a fantasy versus a true wish or desire, what to do when you have shame or trauma connected to your sexual fantasies, how you can use technology to facilitate open communication about fantasies, as well as what you need to know if you're thinking about acting on certain types of fantasies, such as having a threesome or exploring the world of kink. I am joined once again by Irina Martin, a women's intimacy coach, former sex crimes deputy district attorney for the Los Angeles County DA's office, and author of The Sex Life You Want, A Shameless Journey to Deep Intimacy, Honest Pleasure, and a Life You Love. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. Stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. Flirr is a sex-positive dating app that prioritizes women's desires. It's a place where users can openly share their fantasies and desires and find like-minded individuals to explore them with, whether that's for one-night stands, friends with benefits, sexting, no-strings-attached encounters, or long-term relationships. There are no forbidden desires, only mandatory respect and consent. But most importantly, it's about the pleasures of intimacy, the passion between people, and the desire to try something new. With the Fleur app, pleasure awaits. Some of the key features include a safe mode for women, which prevents unwanted content, such as explicit images, when you don't want to go there. There's also the Fleur Sparks game, a card game in the chats that helps users to learn more about each other in a fun way. Additionally, there's two-step verification and moderation for all users, creating a safe space for the community to avoid offense, judgment, and scams. Check the show notes for the link or head over to Fleur.com. That's F-L-U-R-E.com. The Fleur dating app is where pleasure awaits. If you love the science of sex as much as I do, consider becoming a friend of the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. The Kinsey Institute is the world's premier research organization on sex and relationships, and you can help them continue the legacy of Dr. Alfred Kinsey, whose pioneering research changed everything we think we know about sex. Visit KinseyInstitute.org to make an impact. Your donations can help support ongoing research projects on critical topics. You can also show your support by following Kinsey Institute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for supporting Sex Science. Okay, Rena, let's talk about sexual fantasies, which is a subject that is near and dear to me because I've published a whole book on it. And I think a good place to start is by explaining the difference between a fantasy and a desire. So in your book, you say that you often get asked by heterosexual identifying women whether having a same-sex fantasy or enjoying lesbian porn means that they're actually bisexual. A lot of people think that fantasy and porn necessarily reflect their desires and wishes, but that isn't actually the case. So tell us the difference between fantasy and desire, and how do you know when something is just a turn-on versus something you're genuinely curious about trying in real life? Yeah. 
So a fantasy is anything that we think about while we're awake that turns us on. Hopefully I'm getting that definition right because you're the one who came up with it, Justin. (laughs) A desire or a wish is something that we actually want to enact. So bringing back the example you just gave of self-identified heterosexual women saying, oh my gosh, I love to watch air quotes, lesbian porn, because they're very seldomly lesbians in the porn. Uh, What does that mean about me? Does that mean I'm secretly gay? Or does that mean I'm not straight? Does that mean I'm bisexual? Not necessarily. Data tells us that this is the porn that self-identified heterosexual women like to watch the most. And typically, it's not because we're imagining that we're with another woman. It's because with woman on woman porn, female pleasure is is the focus in a way that it isn't always in mainstream heterosexual porn. So what I often see is that straight women who watch queer porn are saying, not I want to do that to her, but I want to have that done to me. I don't care who's doing it, or I'm not saying I necessarily want a woman to do it, but it is the focus on female pleasure that is markedly different. But back to your question, how do I know if this is a fantasy and just a fantasy, something that turns me on, or if it's something I want to do? Well, obviously, you first have to ask yourself, is this something I could actually do? I give the example of watching cisgender male male porn, which is something I like to watch, and I'm pretty secure in my own gender identity. So there's no way that I'm going to be one of the cisgender men in these porns. So I couldn't actually enact it. So I get curious and I say, well, what is it about gay porn that I like? Well, I like seeing a lot of the penises. Like that kind of turns me on, right? I like that there aren't as many fake orgasms. Like it's it's easier to tell that that the orgasms aren't being faked, and at least in the ones I watch. So getting curious. But say you are someone who is watching porn and you're like, I can't tell if this is a fantasy or a wish. Really think about what comes up for you when you envision putting yourself in the scene right? And what comes up. And there isn't going to be a one size fits all here. And I would actually love to hear your thoughts on this because I feel like this is your life's work here, Justin, (laughs) in determining that. And I, I give a lot of examples in my book, but if the thought of doing this in real life fills you with dread, like having a threesome, right? If that fills you with dread, do not do it. Keep watching porn. Keep doing what you're doing. Maybe you and your partner can go to a play party together and just be wallflowers and just watch. Don't feel like you have to do something just because the idea of it turns you on. It's perfectly okay to use that when you pleasure yourself. Use that when you're engaged with with somebody else during sex. It doesn't mean you have to do it, though. Yeah, I think that's all great advice. And, you know, something else to think about, you know, if you're not sure if this is a fantasy or if it's a desire is maybe start by taking some baby steps, right? So if the idea of a threesome is appealing to you, Maybe you don't just want to hop into bed with two other people and and go, right? Because (laughs) we're going to talk more about threesomes a little bit later in the show. But, you know, a baby step to doing that is let's say you're in a relationship and you and your partner are both curious about a threesome. Well, maybe you start by just mutually flirting with someone together at a bar or restaurant. You see what that experience is like. 
Does that bring up jealousy? Was it awkward or weird? And you haven't committed to doing anything sexual. It's just about, you know, sort of having that communication. And if you find that that experience doesn't go well, then that's probably a sign that, hey, maybe this isn't for me and maybe that's better left as just a fantasy. So there are ways that you can sort of vicariously experience or try out certain fantasies. I think in the future, a lot of this is going to take the form of virtual reality, where we can kind of try things out in a virtual world and see how does that kind of feel? And is that something I'd like to do in real life or not? So I think that's actually going to be one of the most fascinating evolutions in sex tech is when we can really vicariously live out those fantasies in our virtual worlds. Definitely. And and there are products now that uh, folks with penises can sync up to porn. And so say you're a woman and you're in a heterosexual relationship with a man and you're like, okay, I, I want to have a threesome, but do I actually want to have a threesome? I'm kind of scared. What's cool about these particular toys is that you can literally watch your partner engage in a very safe version of sex with another air quotes human being, i.e. the person who's there on the screen, and gauge your jealousy response in the same way that you're saying, okay, watch them flirt with someone at a bar. We don't even need to bring a real life human being into this right away. We can we can use porn to our advantage. We can use tech to our advantage. And you're so right that technology is going to give all of us a way to start safely exploring these fantasies in the babyest steps we can possibly take. Yeah. And as just one other example, I couldn't help but think about cuckolding, which is a popular fantasy and something I've written pretty extensively about. So let's say you're turned on by the idea of your partner having sex with someone else. Well, rather than, you know, just jumping right into your partner's going to go have sex with someone else, maybe it's start with, why don't you tell me about an experience a sexual experience you had with somebody else previously that was really hot. And how does it feel for the partner to recount that to you? How did you feel hearing about that? Was it a positive, pleasurable, exciting experience for everybody? Or did it start to bring up some weird feelings, right? So there are all kinds of ways you can test the waters where it's lower stakes and you can figure out if this is right for you before you're going to move on and actually incorporate it into your sex life. Absolutely. Now, something you note in your book that I've discussed in my own work as well is that there are some people who think they don't have fantasies because they don't fantasize about role play or they don't have these fantastical elements in their fantasies like a trip to outer space. Fantasies don't have to be super elaborate in order to be fantasies, right? Right. In our other segment that we recorded, we talked about an exercise that I kind of kick off my readers in the book, which is coming up with a list of 27 things you want to do, be, or experience in your life. You writing those things out, any of those that have to do with sex, like, yeah, I'd like to have sex under the stars one day. I'd like to peg a guy someday. Those are fantasies, right? These are things that you're thinking about that you want to do that turn you on. No scripts or role play required here. And so oftentimes I hear people saying, I just don't have fantasies. But when I say, okay, wave the magic wand, what would you like your sex life to look like? And they describe it to me. I say, well, you just fantasize. That's exactly what you did. That is a sense of reassurance for people because we're, we're holding ourselves up to a really high standard here, thinking we have to be outlandish and creative when really it's just a matter of tapping into what you want in general or what you want more of. Yeah. And you know, what I see in my research is that 97, 98% of people say that they have sexual fantasies in the form of mental images. And for the 2 to 3% who say they don't have fantasies, 
A lot of them do, but they're just not counting their fantasies as fantasies. And there are also some individuals I recognize who have what's called aphantasia, where they literally cannot create mental images, right? And so they might not have fantasies as most other people know them or experience them, but they might still have fantasies in a different form. So if you can't create mental images, you might have fantasies that take the form of a narrative. So it's kind of like a story you tell yourself as opposed to a mental image that's akin to a motion picture or watching porn or something like that. So fantasies can look like a lot of different things to different people. Now, in my research, I find that most people want to share their fantasies with a partner, but there's often something holding them back. And oftentimes that's shame. Now, you shared an anecdote in your book about a female client you had who was from Venezuela, and she said that in her culture, in her own words, if you talk about what you like sexually, you're a whore. And I think that's really telling in terms of how culture and society can make us hesitant to open up and to engage with our fantasies because they've cultivated this sense of shame around sex, often starting at a very young age. So can you tell us a little bit about how for people who might be carrying some shame around their fantasies, some ways that they can start to shed that so that they can open the door to communication? Yeah. So I believe the first step when it comes to shame around fantasies is to normalize. And I'm I'm going to do bad PR on my part because I'm just going to send people to your book, Justin, <laughs> right now. <laughs> just, okay. If you want to normalize, especially some of the less common fantasies, your book, Tell Me What You Want, is a great place to start. In my own book, I talk about some of the bigger fantasies. So sexual submission or BDSM fantasies. And I talk about threesomes as well because those are what I see coming up the most often with my clients. And and your research suggests that those are really some of the most common ones. So I give statistics to talk about the fact that these are normal, but then why they're normal. But say you've got something that isn't as common, do some research so that you can understand that you're not alone. Because Justin, I'm sure that as obscure a fantasy as somebody has, there's somebody else out there who's also had the same fantasy before, right? Yep. So knowing that you're not alone by seeing the data and the research, that's always where I start. And then really getting curious behind the why. And even if your fantasy seems very counterintuitive or, oh my gosh, I'm a very strong feminist. And why is it that I just want to be marched around and told what to do? What is wrong with me? This must mean that I'm a fraud, right? I must not be a strong woman. Or, um, oh my gosh, I am the survivor of sexual assault and I'm having air quotes, rape fantasies. What is wrong with me? Well, if you understand that our fantasies are an expression of our emotional needs. If you understand that for some trauma survivors, BDSM or fantasies enacting them can be a form of healing because we are restaging the trauma and putting ourselves in the director's chair. This doesn't become, how could this be? This becomes, how could this not be? This makes total sense why I would be thinking about this. So I discuss all the things I just mentioned in my book because I've worked with a lot of survivors of sexual trauma, both as a DA and and now as an intimacy coach. And that's typically where I see the most shame is what does this say about my identity as a woman? What does this say about my identity as a survivor? 
that I'm getting off on something that runs counter to who I am, that I'm getting aroused by something that was a source of pain for me and for so many other people. Adding the caveat here that, that air quotes rape fantasies are not actually rape fantasies, especially for us women. We don't typically, as we're walking alone at night, fantasize about somebody jumping out of the bushes and attacking us. These are forced seduction or consensual non-consent fantasies. And the why behind them varies. But if we're talking about restaging trauma, it is a way of saying, okay, I want it to have been my choice this time. If done correctly, this can be an extremely powerful way to heal. So if you are one of the, I think it's 63% of folks out there who've had air quotes, rape, or forced seduction, consensual non-consent fantasies, know that you are not alone. Because that number, that's a big number. So getting curious about the why, understanding what the emotional need is underneath it. I did um, a video on TikTok that has gotten a million views just talking about sexual fantasies generally and talking about this idea that a lot of us women... We're craving submission because, damn it, we're making so many decisions in our day-to-day life (laughs) that we just want somebody to come in in the bedroom and make the decisions for us. And that struck a chord. Fifty Shades of Grey has sold more copies than any other book in the last decade, right? There's this overarching consensus that we want somebody to help us make these decisions when it comes to sex, but so many of us are feeling shame about it because um, we would like to think of ourselves as these strong, independent women. So what I say is it's precisely because you are strong and independent that you are craving something different and that you are craving for someone else to just come in and make some of those decisions for you. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to recognize that our fantasies aren't necessarily politically correct. You know, sometimes the things that turn us on are very taboo things. And just because you're, say, a woman who identifies as a feminist, but you have fantasies about submission or you have forced sex fantasies, that doesn't make you a bad feminist, right? So we need to separate out, you know, who we are in the bedroom from who we are politically and who we are socially. Like, there are different versions of ourselves that can coexist in peace, right? And just because you like one thing in bed, that doesn't necessarily have deeper meaning for who you are and how you behave in the rest of your life. Yes. I mean, it's an escape. It's play. This is meant to be a way that we use our imagination, a way for us to play and explore. And we need to stop taking our fantasies so literally and just get more curious about the why behind them. Yeah. Now, another thing that often holds us back from sharing our fantasies is that many of us, and especially women, find themselves focused on being somebody else's sexual ideal, or they're downplaying their own sexual needs. And you reference the cool girl monologue from the movie Gone Girl as an example of this, with women pretending to be the women that men want them to be, who like everything that he likes, who never complain about it. So how can you avoid falling into the cool girl trap and make sure that your needs are prioritized? Yeah. So a few actionable steps that that I recommend folks take is if you're someone who's out there and you're dating or if you're in the early stages of dating someone, take a look at your text messages. 
If you're someone who generally speaking, you're like me and you use a lot of emojis with your friends and you're using a lot of exclamation marks and that's just kind of your default, take a look at your messages that you normally send to your friends. And are those noticeably different than ones that you're sending to people you're romantically interested in? Are you curbing your enthusiasm? Are you remaining aloof? Are you treating yourself as the prize that needs to be won, right? Are you wearing a mask? That is you playing the cool girl. And here's the deal. I've been there. I've done that. A lot of, a lot of us have. <laughs> you can only keep up this act for so long. And once that cognitive dissonance becomes so extreme that you start to take the mask off and show your true self, that can breed a hell of a lot of resentment for your partner. That can completely shift the relationship that you've formed with them. So an exercise that I have my readers and my clients do is to go through, you know, day by day. And how would you like to spend your day with a partner? for example. So start with whatever time you wake up, whatever time you go to bed, hour by hour, how would you want to spend a Saturday with a partner? And if you're in the initial stages of dating, ask a prospective partner how they would want to spend an ideal Saturday with someone and see how those line up. Obviously, no two people are going to be exactly the same, but be mindful of who's making more of the compromises most of the time. Because cool girl, it's probably going to be you. So is it scary to date differently? Is it scary to show up and say, this is who I am, warts and all, right? Is it scary to be vulnerable? Yes, it is. And, you know, Brene Brown, who's, who's the queen of shame and vulnerability research, she says with vulnerability, it's not a question of if you're going to get hurt, like you are going to get hurt. But the reward on the other side of that genuine love and connection is so worth it. I tell folks, you can have true love or you can be the cool girl. Pick one. <laughs> and people don't like to hear this, but it's the absolute truth. Yep. Everybody wants to have it all, especially when it comes to sex and relationships, but sometimes you got to make a choice. Now, in your book, you talk about how technology can be your friend when it comes to communicating about sex and sharing sexual fantasies. And I know we talked a little earlier in the show about how you can use technology to start to live out some of your fantasies or to explore them, but you can also use them as a way of simply starting the conversation and communicating about fantasies and desires with a partner. So can you tell us a little bit about some of your favorite apps for connecting with a partner and sharing some of those inner thoughts that you might never have shared before? Yes, I'd be happy to, because this is one thing I, I enjoy most about my own book is that I actually give people apps by names, not just go out and find an app. But So I will, <laughs> I will repeat some of them here. As far as ways to connect on a more global level with your partner, I recommend an app called Paired, P-A-I-R-E-D. You both download it. It sends you a prompt every day. I'd say about one in every 10 of those prompts is going to be related to sex. The rest of them are going to be more just overall relationship health, uh, sharing fun memories, that kind of thing. But the way it works is you get a question or a quiz and you can't see your partner's response until you've answered. So it's fun. It takes you at most 30 seconds to complete this every day. The other app I recommend is called Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. 
And that is like paired in the sense that you each download it and you get a prompt every day. But what makes Spicer different is that it's going to give you some sort of sexual task or challenge that could look like go shopping for a sex toy together. So say you get that and you're like, yeah, I would do that. You would give it a thumbs up on the app and say it's something you don't want to do, like have a golden shower. You would give it a thumbs down. Or maybe you're like, "Mm, never had a golden shower, but that could be fun. You give it a thumbs in the middle. So a maybe. Whenever you and your partner match on something, you'll get a notification from the app saying you have a match. And then there's some really cool functionalities within the app where you can start a dialogue just under that one specific question or prompt. You can also create challenges and rewards. There's a function where you can hit a flame button and let your partner know that you're in the mood and then they can let you know if they're also in the mood. So I always tell folks, you don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Let technology be your friend. And someone has already done a lot of this work for you, especially if you're new to talking about this stuff. See this as a game you're playing with your partner. This isn't you against your partner. This is you and your partner doing something new together. Yeah, I love all of that. And there's so many great ideas and suggestions there for how you can leverage technology to make this communication easier and to foster deeper connections. So let's talk about exploring some specific fantasies. Now, in my research, I find that one of the most common fantasies across genders is having a threesome which we mentioned a little bit earlier in the show. However, like I said, that's also the fantasy that when people go to act on it, it's least likely to go well. And that's not to say that threesomes never work, of course. You know, many people have great experiences with them, but they're complex and many of us don't have a script for how a threesome goes or how a threesome even happens. Like for a lot of people, it's like, how do you actually do it, right? So can you share some tips for newbies who might be interested in threesomes and how they might go about exploring them? Sure, sure. So first of all, it's going to depend on what side of the threesome you're on. If you're the single person who wants to join a couple or if you're part of a couple who wants to have a threesome or more some. If you are part of the couple and you're nervous that there might be some jealousy that could kick in, try watching porn together to start. And then the baby steps approach. If you're looking to, say, swing with other couples, then there are options out there. Cassidy, K-A-S-I-D-I-E.com is essentially the Facebook for swingers. They have a bunch of events on there. If you lean kinky, FetLife, uh, they have a bunch of events on there that you can turn to. So there's really no shortage of sex-positive events and play parties that you could essentially just go to and be a wallflower at. Because say you've watched porn with your partner and the jealousy response has not kicked in. The next baby a step could be, all right, let's go to a play party and see what happens to me when I'm watching my partner get turned on by watching somebody have sex in the flesh. So that could be an option there. If you're not in a location where you can attend a play party or if that doesn't appeal to you for some other reason, I would suggest using Field, F as in Frank, E-E-L-D, the dating app that I recommend to anyone looking for anything outside of the hetero, mono, vanilla box. 
Field is a great way to meet other singles and couples when it comes to group play. And you can get really specific on there in terms of what you're looking for and have dialogues ahead of time in a way that you may not be able to do if you just end up at a play party and you know you only have so many hours before the night ends. But um, <laughs> Field, I, I would say, is, is a place to, to do that. And then say you found someone or found you know your couple. Okay, where do we go from here? Again, baby steps. I always recommend meet up in a public place. Maybe it's let's grab happy hour and see if we vibe and operate under the assumption and agreement that we're not going to go back to anyone's house from here. And then maybe the next time y'all hang out, you can set some other sort of boundary like we're going to keep our clothes on or nothing below the waist, right? That way you're setting yourself up for success so that you can gauge your comfort level. Your partner can, this third person or fourth person can as well, instead of going all in and waiting for the explosion to happen because it could, or it could be a resounding success. But I tell folks, you know, opening up your relationship is kind of like scuba diving. When done right and carefully, and you've really done the training and you've prepped for it, it can be amazing. But if you try to cut corners and you don't know what you're doing, it can be devastating. But fortunately, you can get the sexual equivalent of your certification by educating yourself, by having some of these hard conversations with your partner ahead of time and really getting on the same page so that you can just ex- enjoy the experience once you're there. Yeah, it's definitely baby steps to the orgy. (laughs) And it's also baby steps to kink, you know, which is another very common sexual fantasy. Across gender, I find that most people have fantasized about some form of BDSM before. And for many people, it's not just a fantasy, it's also a desire. So it's something they want to explore, but they don't know quite how to go about it or how to introduce kink into a relationship that's been vanilla for a really long time. You know, sometimes there's that kind of hidden kink that isn't discovered until much later on or that emerges later in life. You know, people who are kinky are not necessarily kinky throughout their entire lives. Our fantasies can change because we change as sexual beings. So do you have any tips you can share on how to go about exploring kink and BDSM fantasies if that's something that you're new to or you've never really talked about it before with your partner? Absolutely. For folks interested in getting started on their BDSM journey, I point them toward the BDSM test, which as of today is kind of the gold standard in terms of knowing where you lie on the spectrum, but it's bdsmtest.org. If you are new to kink, there might be some questions on there that shock you. And this may not be your thing, but this is a thing and some people enjoy it. So don't yuck anyone's yum, but take the (laughs) test and it's going to spit out a set of kinks at the end of it and percentages for each of those. And it's going to show you kind of where you lie on the kink spectrum and what you're interested in. If you are partnered, ask your partner to take the test too. And you might be nervous to do that, but I promise you most people, we love to learn more about ourselves. We love to take personality tests. We love to know what our horoscope is today, right? So take those tests, compare your results and say, okay, I noticed that we both ranked kind of high on voyeur, for example. Well, does that mean you have to go to a sex party tomorrow? No, it doesn't. But maybe it's you watch some porn together, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to kink, if we're talking about one person is a little bit more dominant, 
one person's a little bit more submissive, that's great. If you're both switchy, that's great. If you're both submissive, not the end of the world, but we can work on it. So where do you go from there? If it comes down to power play and you've never done anything like this before, I recommend starting with just a simple sleep mask, like the kind you would use on an airplane to block out the light, right? You can try using it. Your partner can try using it. That is the gentlest way that you can begin to just surrender control. And then from there, assuming you both like that, get curious about, well, what is it about the sleep mask that I liked most? And you can start exploring other forms of restraints, right? But I will say most people who say they've never engaged in any act of BDSM have in fact engaged in acts of BDSM. If you've ever enjoyed a smack on your butt during sex, if you've ever, um, you know, called your partner daddy or a partner daddy, you have in fact engaged in some element of kink and BDSM. So it doesn't have to be this 50 shades, very scary thing with whips and chains. Many forms of BDSM involved no pain whatsoever. So if you're not into pain, it doesn't mean that you're not into BDSM. Start off with a sleep mask, baby, baby, baby steps. If you're curious to try pain, no need to go out and buy a bunch of floggers and expensive equipment tomorrow. There are things that your partner has already on their body, right? They have their hands. There are things you have around your house and probably in your kitchen that you can use too to start exploring with. No need to build the sex dungeon today. Baby, baby, baby steps. Yes, I think it's baby steps when it comes to any sexual fantasy. Take your time. Enjoy the journey, right? It's not all about the destination. It's about getting there and exploring and experimenting and trying some new and different things because you need to figure out what your limits are. And oftentimes we don't know where the limits are until we've crossed them. So that's a reason to start slow. And then you can also figure out what specific elements or aspects of this do you enjoy? What do you want more of in the future? What do you want less of? So as I often say with fantasy, it's one of those things where practice makes perfect. You got to try some different things out, try it a few times before you figure out the formula that works for you in your relationship. Yeah. And sometimes you'll just stumble over, stumble on something out of the blue where you're like, oh, this is my thing. So remain open to possibilities too. You don't have to plan everything in advance. Absolutely. Be open-minded when it comes to sex and relationships. Now, thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Rena. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and get a copy of your new book? Yes, you can head on over to my website, which is my name, renamartine.com, or you can find me on Instagram. Great. I'll be sure to include links to all of that in the show notes. Thank you again so much for your time. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Justin. Thank you for listening. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology, at sexandpsychology.com, or subscribe on your favorite platform, where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Justin Lee Miller and Instagram at Justin J. Lee Miller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. And if you have a question you'd like me to answer on a future episode of this show, you can leave me a podcast voicemail at speakpipe.com slash sex and psychology. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. <laughs>